Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 165. Hi-ho, 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 hi. Hi, Julius. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing, Albert? I assume you're a Disney fan enough to catch that reference. Oh, yes, yes. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's from The Hobbit, isn't it? When the dwarves are uh, cleaning up the kitchen. <laughs> no, no, Albert. <laughs> hmm. Well, welcome, Julius. Welcome to part two of the Summer of Uve. Woo-hoo. You are going to really be disappointed to people's expectations here. Yeah, summer's almost over around this show, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. This might be the end of summer. We don't know. We'll see. I don't... Yeah, I think it is, actually. Anyway, yeah, so so today is second week in a row. We're talking about an Uwe Rosenberg game. Last week, we talked about Spring Meadow. And this year, this week, we're talking about Caverna. Cave versus Cave. To be very specific, Caverna Cave versus Cave is not the Big Brother Caverna version. It is the small two-player version of Caverna. So it's much smaller, has a lot less stuff, a lot less time required, and it supports only one or two players. Mm-hmm, that's right. The, the big one, I think, goes up to five players, one to five. I believe yeah, so. It brings a ton of components for all those players, so it's kind of expensive. I think it, I think it's like 90 bucks, if I remember right. So it's a lot of money. Retail. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the little brother, the much more affordable little brother. Much more affordable, much easier to pick up and play too, especially solo, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And so, if you lose badly and you flip the table, you're not going to hurt too many people with it. Now that <laughs> this game also has an expansion, Caverna Cave versus Cave. The original one is is Era One. There is an expansion for it, Era Two, the Iron Age, and we're going to be talking about both at both eras. So, both the base game and the expansion of the course of the review. That being said, since we're in our new review format and trying to keep the episodes a little bit shorter, Albert, let's get right into it. All right, let's do it. Um, you want to give a summary of the game? I would be happy to. So, in this game, essentially what you're doing is it is action selection. There's going to be, when, when you're playing with two players, or if there's one player, so, well, I'll get to the one player when we get to it, but it's action selection. There's a row of tiles laid out in a uh, row in front or between the two players. And on your turn, you will pick one of those tiles, slide it to you to denote that you've picked that, kind of like a worker placement type game. You've picked that action and that action cannot be selected for the rest of the round. Um, There's going to be a number, there's going to be, what is it, nine rounds over the course of the game. The first few first few rounds, every player is going to get two actions, and then it's going to be three, and then for the last round, it's going to be four. And every round, there's going to be another action made available to the board. The actions after the start of the game are all randomized, so there's going to be different game scenarios where you'll have different actions coming out earlier. Um, you have your own cave board, and the actions are being used to harvest resources and build rooms from a shared pool of available rooms onto your board. You will then use those rooms to get more resources and theoretically getting more gold. So at the end of the game, you will have the most amount of victory points. Victory points are awarded based on some of the rooms. The rooms will have different amount of victory points and the gold that you have left. Each gold is worth one victory point. End your game with more victory points than your opponent, and you will win the game. Huzzah! 
Yep, that, that's basically it. Gonna be, pretty pretty straightforward, since, pretty simple, honestly. Since we're focusing mostly on the one-player version, the changes are actually relatively minimal when you're moving to one player. Instead of having a shared set of actions available and potentially having your opponent take an action you wanted, when you're playing solo, you have all the actions available to you. Your only limit is you can't pick them twice in a single round. Um, and then at the end of the game, you're just either chasing after your own personal high score or trying to beat the game's recommended score, which I believe is 40 points for era one. 50. 50 points for everyone. Who knows? I just keep trying. And it says you're remarkable if you hit 60. So I've never done that. <laughs> well, I have, but that's because I messed up the rules. <laughs> well, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really, really good at first and then I realized my mistake. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, so they well go on. Go on, go on. I said I believe that's a good summary. Let's go ahead and get into our discussion of our um review points. Albert, how about the rules for starts with you? Well, the rules are pretty good. They're they're really short, they're really simple. There really isn't that much of the game mechanically. So the rules are very clearly described. Um again, Uwe Rosenberg games tend to have the solo rules at the end. So you gotta learn the two player game first and then learn the modification for the one player. But they're so minimal, like you said. There, there really isn't that much to it, so so it'll be easy to learn it. How to play solo? I, Absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. Most most of the rules are actually taken up by first what the different types of actions are, and then discussion of how it works with the rooms themselves because all the actions going to be the same that's really all there is and it's not like for feast of odin where every single action requires its own explanation of it there's limited amounts of different types there are generally you're going to be taking some action that gives you uh that clears your board some so opening up rooms clearing away rubble you're going to be gaining goods changing goods or just building a room and it goes through each of those things pretty clearly i think there is a little bit of strangeness on on some of the bonuses like i mentioned only because it threw in right in the middle of things like the additional cavern rule which i played a couple games when i first got it with that additional cavern just sitting off to the side and never noticed that particular call out on the box until after a couple playthroughs <laughs> okay gosh uh, just a little side note here my dog is sleeping under my feet and she just started snoring and <laughs> she keeps doing that there's no way i'm gonna be able to edit that out so so enjoy the <laughs> sounds of the resting dog oh dear very cute <laughs> yeah so yeah th- there was one thing about the rules that i found lacking and it's really not an issue to you at error two but when you finish a round and you get to put all the action tiles back on the board it doesn't tell you where to place them exactly do you put them back in the same spot exactly or anywhere or what it doesn't really matter but in error two it can matter because there's there's a, an effect where some of the spaces give you an extra action when you take the tile from that space other than that well the, the rules are pretty clear well for era two it tells you that you put them back in the same space Do, oh i missed that okay well good to know <laughs> okay the, the reason why it doesn't say in era one is because it doesn't it matter does but in era two where it does it tells you so i missed that and it was well then when we get to the rules for the era two yeah it's not as clear <laughs> that's fair <laughs> okay so yeah so so there we go that was the rules how about the theme um, we made a reference to Hi Ho. You are these dwarves who are going through and mining things. As with the theme in Caverna, like everything makes sense because I think this is, you know, <laughs> it's hard to talk about 
random resource management not being well themed i mean it's resource management you're trying to build out a home and you're turning goods into other goods and for some reason you have a whole factory running out of your personal home if you were to say this isn't a regular person's home like i would question how it is that a person's home is pumping out all these things but eh, it's a dwarf <laughs> yeah so well for some reason they just yeah do. it's it's not just a dwarf's home it's a whole uh tribe of dwarves right expanding their cave systems i imagine it's sort of like uh the the minds of uh, the, the lords of the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings are building Moria. This, this is the very first couple tunnels in Moria that you're building. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it works for me. Um, but yeah, I mean the theme is pretty straightforward. That, that's what it is, and it works, and it's clear, and and it comes through. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And I think you definitely feel like a dwarf because all of the artwork is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's little dwarf things, and 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 you're mining, you're mining. And that's what dwarves do, apparently. So, in terms of components, the compo- I think as mentioned, I think, I think as mentioned, all the artwork I think helps bring through the three theme. It's all well designed. All the graphical layout is very clear. You can see a lot of what's coming through in the art, and that, as mentioned, helps bring out the theme very well and helps also make it very clear to you what actions do, what things do, and also about um, how many actions you get per turn, all those sorts of things. All the graphic design, all the art really helps with that. Uh, why don't you talk about the component bits then? Mm-hmm, okay, I'll do that. Real quick, though, the art is by Clemens Franz. He pretty much does all the art for Uwe Rosenberg games. It, you know, It's the same style as Agricola or any of those other games that you've probably played before. Just a a shout out to him because because it's very consistent and it is well done. Um, so the components, um, they're good quality. You know, like a typical um, lookout games game, like Agricola or any of those others. Nice sturdy tiles, nice quality board, and all that. You get two player boards. You get um a, about twenty four room tiles, another nine or so action tiles, and some counters. Um, to man to track your resources. I find it weird. Four of the counters are wood, two of the counters are cardboard, and I have no idea why that is. I know why they did that for gold, and the the reason is is that with gold, every other resource can only go up to nine maximum, but mm. gold can go up to nineteen maximum. That's true. So they wanted to have something that was flippable for that. Yep. I don't really know why that means that food also therefore had to be a not wood counter i do agree with you i think it's weird i think it probably would have been a nicer if they had made all of that into wood components and have something screen printed for the gold to be different yeah i don't know why i can only imagine it's a cost but then they also went and provided an extra whole second set of counters for everybody that are all little round cardboard discs so if for whatever reason you don't want to use your your nice fancy wooden ones or if you've lost some of them you've got the little round discs and I think also the round discs are actually just bad because with the big tokens, it's really easy to see even at a distance to see which ones are which. With the little tiny ones, they're tiny. They are <laughs> yeah. so small. It's hard to easily distinguish, especially if you're playing an opponent, um, which resources at which level because they're so small. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, <laughs> it's odd. But, you know. There you go. The other thing that this brings is some walls. You're gonna to get to play on your board when you're when you're digging and building rooms. Um, the positioning of rooms it, it depends on on the shape of your caves and where there's walls. Some rooms need certain walls around them and so that sort of stuff. We may or may not mm-hmm. get into that more. 
But yeah, great components, like any typical Uwe Rosenberg game, basically. So the the gameplay, what are your thoughts on the gameplay, Julius? I think that we may disagree about how quick it is because it's it's very quick for the amount that it's going on here. You're taking actions over the course of the game and each time you're having to spend multiple actions. So Mm -hmm. it moves relatively fast, but I wouldn't say it feels like it's moving faster than, say, Feast for Odin or Caverna or Agricola, because in all those things, you're taking an action. Your action is not usually a very big action. It's take whatever resource generation modification thing it is that that spot gives you, which means that it goes very quick. The difference why this game is faster, I feel, than Caverna or Agricola is not that the actions themselves are smaller, simpler, more clear, because there's almost as many resources in this game as in Big Brother Caverna. It's more just there's a limited amount of space that you're allowed to board to build into. It's a small board um, and doesn't get to be that big. Mm-hmm. And, and it's only eight turns in the solo game. Mm-hmm. Or is it eight or seven? Eight rounds. Seven, right? Ugh. Yes, there, there's there's three, two, t- two turn actions, and then three three turn actions, and then a four. Or rounds, not actions. It's eight, yeah. Yeah. Counted it real quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since well, I said then. nine earlier and you're saying seven, it's eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, eight. Take it from Julius. Honestly, he's played more, so definitely take it from Julius. Um. Anyway, so yeah. Um. But the the game is is quick in that it's only half an hour, right? Is that how long it takes you to play? Generally, yes, it does take so, me a half hour. Um. And I don't think that this is a game where you relax and just sort of play through because it takes a fair amount of strategy. If you're yes. looking to play something that feels almost as in depth as Caverna, but is more just limited not in terms of depth, but in terms of scope, then I think this is a really nice um, replacement is not the word, but a taste of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I think it's a, it's a lot of a thinkiness in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. which, which I do enjoy that about it. I really do. There is one thing that I think is a detractor from the game. When you're playing with... Let's, I'm going to compare it with playing the solo game for Feast for Odin. And Feast for Odin, when you're playing solo in that game, the actions you take one round, you're barred from taking the next round. So you have to have either a wider strategy going or you have to somehow alternate between them. With this game, generally what you're going to end up doing is you're going to try, and certainly if you're playing with Era 2, you're going to start building up an engine based on the rooms that have come available that you've been able to draft and put into your game and also the order the actions come out. But once you get that engine going, you'll continue to do that engine over and over again and there's not going to be a challenge with the other player for being able to take certain actions or certain rooms. If you see a room that you like and you liked it last game, you're pretty well incentivized to be able to get it this game again. Similarly, one of the actions is take three room actions, which means using them, I tilt when I do it, uh, but take three room actions. And I found that generally I keep getting that one over and over again. There's no one else to compete with me for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, that that's the nice thing about playing solo games. Every time I've played a solo game, a game like this solo, and then try to two players, I always get annoyed at the other player because they're doing all the stuff I want to do. I mean, the one that really comes to mind is um, Snowdonia. I love the game. Mm-hmm. I finally went to, got to play with some friends. I thought it was gonna be a great time, and oh my gosh, it kept getting in my way. Jerks! <laughs> I was so used to playing solo that where I had freedom of doing anything I wanted. 
I suppose that may be a difference between you and me. I think that with this game, for me, it it kind of it's not a game I want to play over and over and over again because the game each game is going to be very similar because there's nothing forcing me to do something I wouldn't have done otherwise. There's not much. There's a little bit of randomness, but many of the I think it's usually about three quarters of the rooms are revealed at the by the end of the game for me. What I was saying is that most of the rooms are available in most of the games, which means that there's not going to be something forcing me to take up a different strategy than I would have done in general. So the games can be very similar, and I feel that hurts to a degree the replayability of the game, or at least the variability of the game. Okay. Yeah, because there's 24 total room tiles. Three of them are going to be out of the game entirely, and probably about half the remaining ones you won't see in the game. Well, I do tend to clear my board almost all the way each game. And half of the, quote, other players' rooms usually come out and are available for purchase as well. Okay. So that's why I'm saying so about three quarters. quarters of the rooms yeah. come out. Okay. So, yeah, so so not everything's available. So so as you're learning the game, you know, you're going to be totally lost, I guess, by what's available. But as you get familiar, you kind of know which combinations work and whatnot. So, and you probably have a... A collection and you'll of learn which rooms you like sets. and which you don't like. For example, right. there's the one room that says bring up to one all of this list of resources. I never take that one. Mm-hmm. And I will probably, I mean, I may take it, I in fact have taken a two-player game where I had limits on which rooms I could take. But in solo, for example, I can pan those, those rooms over and over <laughs> again. There's nothing forcing me to consider things I wouldn't have otherwise considered. Unless yeah, I just want to try it just for v- uniqueness. If if you're me, and then that's one of the rooms you play incorrectly, and you think it's raise all your resources by one, and you forget that ceiling of one, it's a really powerful room. <laughs> and that's how you can manage it. One of the ways you get 72 points in a game. <laughs> I had wondered. That would make that room much more powerful. It really does. It really makes a difference. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So, so learning the game, you're going to find out which rooms work and don't work, and, and which combinations of rooms are, are good. So you're looking out for them, but once, once I guess once you're familiar with the game and played it a lot, then particularly solo, then it's just a matter of looking for that. I haven't played looking enough to the get there. Like. Yeah, I've I play this game infrequently, and so you know. But the next time I play it, I've forgotten a lot of that stuff, so I'll enjoy it again because <laughs> it's all new to me. Well, I'm not saying that's it. I'm not saying it means I don't enjoy playing it. Right, I, I do. I'm just saying that hurts variability for me and puts a blemish on what I otherwise feel would have been a better game. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that that that's fair. That makes sense. Um, what is what kind of score do you normally get in this game? Right, the goal is to get about fifty, and that's considered a win. My um, high score. I I only keep track of what my highest score is, mm-hmm. and my highest score in era one is as high forty. I think forty eight. Wow. Okay, I've never come close to that. I think I'm in twenties and thirties. Probably low 30s. Yeah, I don't normally get that. I think I've got that once. Okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, so that there's still opportunity to, to learn and, and get better scores because your go to win, I guess, is to get 50. And then once you've hit 50, then you can consider that you've mastered the game, I suppose, or, or start shooting for 60. Shoot for 60. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a fun game. Not much complex rules, but a, a lot of thinkiness because of the complexity of the actions and combinations of rooms and all that to, to choose from. 
Agreed. I mean, um, I want to be very clear. I do enjoy the game. I definitely enjoy the game. And when I heard that there was an expansion, I immediately went out and got it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do definitely enjoy the game. I think that it is a deep game with a fair amount of brain commitment, which is the type of game I like. I, I prefer something that is short and deep as compared to something like Spring Meadow that for me felt short and, and light. Um, there's complexity here, which reminds me favorably of the Big Brother type games, while still not taking more than 30 minutes to play. Albert, I think I did a summary for Era 1. Why don't you summarize Era 2 and what it adds? Well, Era 2 is is the Iron Age. This is an interesting expansion because it isn't in, like your typical expansion that gives you more components and more variety in your game. This adds more length into your game by adding more rounds at the end. Um, so the, the dwarves have now made, <laughs> yes, very different. The dwarves have advanced from the, the dark ages, the stone age, whatever, what was it called? The first era and are now in the iron age and they're more advanced and have better technology and can build better rooms. Just for the history oh. of people among us, the dark ages happened long after the iron ages. It was the stone ages that were before. That's a good point, actually. The, um, and the first era was called the first wealth anyway, not the, uh, not the, uh, dark ages or whatever sorry sorry (laughs) (laughs) so sorry so yes so that's that's what this game is about it's you've now moved on to different uh, era different age for the the dwarf clans and you will stuff you will stuff so that's the summary (laughs) rules albert ran off a cliff (laughs) (laughs) rules we could just blaze through some of this stuff right the rules rules theme and components are almost entirely the same rules are Mm -hmm. basically the same it just teaches you about what the new actions and new rooms do i think the biggest difference in terms of how actions work is that um you sort of draft two different ones there's going to now be um action bonuses i think is how they phrase it that in order there's four actions that are printed for each of the four rounds of the game and now each of those actions will also give you an action bonus. So in addition to letting you go and activate some rooms or get some resources, you also get some of the brand new resources that come out because now we have iron. So you can have iron and you can have steel and you can have weapons and it'll let you mess with those things. Oh, and donkeys. <laughs> in terms of components, we found the same interesting thing with this one as the other one that it gave you two resources that were wood and two resources that were cardboard. Yeah, why? <laughs> why? And again, one of one of them is double sided. The other isn't. The weapons is double sided. I don't understand why they wouldn't have made. What's the last one? It's coal. I think. Coal. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they not have made that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've considered replacing it. I must have a coal bit somewhere that I could use. Oh, I know I do, but I'm, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to replace it necessarily. But yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there you go. So right, so we get the those resources, we get a bunch more rooms, and uh, some more boards. But what's interesting about those rooms? You say a bunch more rooms. You don't get access to those rooms until you start Era Two. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got you got to play the complete Era One game. You got to play the original Cave versus Cave from beginning to end, score it, and now you play the expansion. And <laughs> 
It's a little mind blowing at first because that doesn't sound like an expansion. It sounds like a whole second game. And in fact, even when you're playing through Era Two, those extra rooms only come out if you're mining away at your Era Two new cave. If you're mining your Era One cave, then only old rooms come out. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't really get into that before, but when you set up the board, you all the spaces where you could place rooms are all covered up with basically with rope, I guess, or, or, or stone. And you got to dig out the mounts in it and make room for your rooms. And that's what we're talking about here. So yeah, that whole, the whole Era 2 thing is, is a little strange. You finish your game and now you set up Era 2, bring all your components out, place everything on the board and play. Um, The gameplay is, I mean, it's basically the same as Era 1. All the mechanics are about the same there's like julia said one or two small changes in the rules where some of the spaces give you actions that are tied to the the action space where you pulled the towel from but the towel itself may be different so effectively what happens is the the actions get mixed up more because because certain things are always tied to the first pace but the towel you put on it's going to be one of four different ones so you don't know all the actions get available the first round and all the second but you know some of it um but every, everything else is basically the same. You still have all your Arrow 1 stuff also. Keep that in mind. So you can still build in your first Arrow 1 caves. If you didn't finish it, you still have all your first Arrow 1 resources and whatnot. All that is available to use. And, and you still want to manipulate it because a lot of the Arrow 2 rooms require Arrow 1 resources to use or even to build them. I think they also make a number of changes of how resources are treated. That, for example, also between the different rounds this time... Um, your donkeys will automatically create ore for you. And mm-hmm. that's different than how everything else works because generally you're trying to run your engine. And here is something else that just sort of incentivizes you to make donkeys more than it's just another resource. It changes how those resources work, which means that the resources in this game are unique and different than the resources in Era 1. Yep, that's right. Um, so, so it is very, very interesting. It's, it's, um, it's a nice twist to, to make it a little fresh and a little bit different. I don't think I've ever seen an expansion that does like this. That is essentially, we're going to make the game longer and have you play, like you're saying, almost a new version of the game after your current one. And just keep going. Like I've never yeah. seen a keep going expansion like this. I bet if we really work at it, we could come up with something, but but it's definitely uncommon. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I, I was really confused at first when I started reading the rules. <laughs> yeah, so much so when so, I first got the game, which was only recently, because I only recently learned that there was an expansion, but when I set it up for the first time, I just took out everything, set it all up, and then I read the rules and was like, wait, I wasn't supposed to set it up yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... I, I like that, but I think it also has a few drawbacks that are interesting. I think a big the, drawback for me is that usually once I've set up a game, I want to play and I don't really want to set up a game again. I mm-hmm. feel like already there's inertial resistance to get going. Like with many things, the hardest part is starting. And even though I'm enjoying the game while I'm playing it, getting it started and especially with getting all the setup and stuff done is such a challenge that having to do a second setup in the middle of the game is tiring. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. I could just score and finish here. Yeah. Though, though, you know, Julius is exaggerating a bit here. It's not that tiring. Cause honestly, 
neither the base game nor the expansion is all that hard to set up. There isn't that all that much in it, honestly. Assuming you keep all your <laughs> it, tiles neatly organized, my tiles yes, are it, not. They are mixed together uh, in the box. Yes. It it does break the continuity of the game some, but yeah, the first thing I did before I even before I even tried to play the expansion, I kept it in its own box separately. I went out and printed some tuck boxes for it. So I could keep all my era one tiles separate from era two tiles. Yeah, I think I need to print some and sort that of helped tuck lot. box or well solution or something, something to help with yeah. keeping storage better. Because right now, every time I open up, I'm like, okay, let's sort out all the tiles. <laughs> yeah, but you know, then if you do that, then you could sort them all out. And now you got the piles for our one and the piles for our two, and it's all ready to play through the whole game. Probably. There's very little setup in the middle, or a lot less. Um, but yeah, and they do provide little plastic bags for everything. And that works, but it's still a little cumbersome, I, I think. Um, that That is the biggest drawback, though, is separating all the Era 1 and Era 2 stuff, either at the beginning or the end. Putting it away is a hassle, because now you've got all these tiles on the two boards, and they could be anywhere, because the Era 2 rooms could be on the Era 1 board, and vice versa. Um, there's So you got to flip everything over to... The, well, I mean, And the, the icon top, to but... show if it's an Era 2 oh. is also tiny. It is. On the back of the tiles, they all have a little tiny uh, metal helmets with horns on it. little tiny thing in the corner, and that tells you it's Era 2. Other than that, it looks exactly like the Era 1 tiles. <laughs> Which is, now, the front looks very different for the rooms. That's not a problem. You can see right away what it is because the, the top section of it is one, the older ones are wooden, the new ones are metal. And so it's easy easy enough to tell. But, you know, I hadn't thought to look at that. <laughs> I usually you're flip right. over that side. <laughs> Egad! Holy I just saved you hours. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so that I think that's both of our biggest complaints is, is the the setup and teardown and uh, of the game because of the way it works. If it was more of a traditional expansion, you could just throw everything in the box together and never think about it again. Maybe you pull I out just get two one draw bags for them instead of having a pile of them. That, that works, but easier. that draw bags are a little harder to fit into those boxes. Granted, the box for the, the base game is big enough to hold everything, but when you add a bag, that make it tricky. It's true. The tuck box worked pretty well for me. That that was easy enough. I went to BGG, I downloaded the tuck box tool, and printed out a box, glued it together. I'll consider it, Albert. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, a plug for my tool. It's a PowerPoint tool. Maybe I'll include a link to it. <laughs> so albert let me ask you for a uh, final thoughts on at least era two if you already own era one would you recommend to get era two now i i think not until i get bored of era one by itself era one is fun and it works really well it's nice and simple the the, the thing about era two is it took this nice quick 30 minute game and turned into a, a nice longer one hour game and that one of the charms of this game is how quickly it plays so adding that kind of kills the charm somewhat. But it is good. If you get it, you're definitely going to have fun with it, I think. I think it that just... it's – I agree with you. I think it's fun. I think a lot of the charm for Cave versus Cave is the fact that it's deep and quick. And I enjoy that a lot. And I got Era 2 because I do often find myself being like, cool, I have this engine running. Wouldn't it be fun to be like, hey, I could, I could run the engine for another four rounds? That sounds like fun. I get to do cool stuff for another four rounds. Like, I've got it all going. And every time I've sat down to play Era 2, I am sort of thinking, hey, it would be really fun to be like, I know what I'm doing. I've already set all this up, and I know how to continue being cool. 
And when I've played Area 2, I've done that. Like, I've got my engine, and I'm going through, and I'm running it, and I'm getting more and more stuff by essentially hitting on an engine and a design decision I've made. That's fun. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm torn on whether or not I would recommend it, though. I'm torn. Yeah. If you already have the K versus Cave and you're enjoying it and you're looking for more, yeah, I'd say get it. But I wouldn't go out and buy both at the same time. I would like that. definitely not go definitely. out and buy both at the same time, yeah. especially since you'll lose a lot of the initial value of enjoying the quickness of K versus Cave if you're trying to play both Era 1 and mm-hmm. Era 2. Now, the nice thing, though, is you could play the game, play through Era 1, and say, okay, should I put it away or should I keep going? At that point, I could decide what mood I'm in. But I mentioned that just before. If I'm having to make a decision at that point in time, inertial is usually going to be like, uh, mm-hmm. well, and I'm that's fine. So sure. <laughs> and that's fine, but you got the choice, which is neat. Yes. And there's also another choice, which I didn't have not tried, and I don't think I'm interested in it, but it's worth mentioning it. There is rules in the Era 2 box for drafting Era 1. So instead of playing through Era 1, you draft it and then just play Era 2. But that's not available for Zola. It is not? Okay, I hadn't I hadn't looked into that or if it was available or not. Honestly, it doesn't seem worth it. I mean, no. if I just want to play one Era, why not just play Era 1? Yeah, I kind of agree with right. you. So, so it's interesting. I was looking at the forums and people said, I wonder if there's going to be an Era 3 and what is that going to be like and, and all that. And there's no, theories I hope about not. it and whatnot. <laughs> I can't imagine if they, they're going to do an Era 3 that extends a game even longer. Because now you're talking about an hour and a half game. I, I, I can hope that they're not going to do an Era 3 because at that point in time, just get Big Brother Caverna. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. And and I kind of wish that Era 2 had at least brought a couple of tiles for Era 1 in there. Said, okay, yeah, it's a whole separate expansion. You play separate, but here, throw these into your Era 1. That would have been nice. That would have been really nice. And simple. You could have done it with just, say, three or four tiles even. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, oh, that's well. neither here nor there. Wishes and fishes. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, one one last question. I know we're going a little bit long. Have you played uh, Caverna, the first one? The Caverna original Big Brother? Big Brother? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and what do you think of that? Uh, I don't own a copy of it. Usually my thought has been there's a whole... It's, it's again, that inertia of having to set it up because for Caverna Big Brother, you have to go through and set up all the room tiles and get everything laid on the board. And even for Solo, it takes up like the whole table. So okay. I was I was put off by the amount of essentially just setup and work that was required to be able to play it. And I've, I, I don't own a copy of it, therefore, so I've had a minimal amount of time for me to be able to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never played it. I've shied away from it because because I, I know it brings enough components for five or six players, and I'm really going to just play it solo. So it seems like a lot of money for something that, that's going to go largely unused, right? You know, like 80% of the components would go unused, so why get something so expensive? So, but, I, but I am curious about it because the theme sounds interesting, and I've heard it's a great game. Yeah, I hear that. Mm-hmm. All right, Julius, any any last words? Or are you good? I think we've just about finished it. It has been an era uh, talking and with And then you. some. <laughs> there we go. Yes. All right, Julius. Thank you. And until next week. Good night. Bye, all. Bleep. No, that's recording. 
thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. Albert. You still there, Julius? I don't hear you anymore. Testing to Albert. Testing to Albert. My cat. I don't think you're here, Julius. Sending Albert a lost message. I don't think you're around anymore. Soon you shall drop in, rejoin us, Julius. But where have you gone? Albert? Julius? Gone. Yes. Albert, are you there? I saw a little green light. Back? Are you back? I still see your green light. I don't know. I still see Hello? a green light. Why is it show RTC connecting? Let me try that. Hello. <gasps> Technology. You're going to have fun with this, Albert, so I'm going to sing you a song. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hum. Hi ho, hi ho. It's off to work we go with a hi, hi ho, and I, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. Oh, there you are. Okay. I've just been singing. Yeah, so have I actually. <laughs> oh God. That's funny. Well, I've got it all recorded, so that that's fine. Awesome.